0: Okay, good afternoon. This is Richard Hsu, host of Shoe Untied. Today I'm very pleased and honored to have with me my guest Yar Tchaikovsky, who's a partner at Paul Hastings. Yar, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Richard. Uh, glad to be on.
0: So, Yar, let's start by talking a little bit about how you got, obviously, you have a very successful IP litigation career. Tell me a little bit about how you got into this to begin with.
1: It's interesting. Uh, you know, I, uh, I had an older brother, 10 years older than me, uh, Tim Tchaikovsky, who was a lawyer, uh, and kind of, uh, um, I was the youngest of four boys, and really, uh, my older brother, I was almost like a, a dad, shall we say, because my dad was a little bit older along the way, so I got interested in the law by seeing him. He went to, actually, interestingly enough, the same undergrad, same law school that I did, SCUCLA, growing up in Southern California. And uh, that got me my interest in my law, but I was always interested in technology, went to SCU, computer engineer. Hmm. Uh, so, had some inkling that, hey, let's marry what I had been seeing in terms of the practice of law with my interest in technology and my degree. So, I obviously went to UCLA Law School, took a patent law course, liked it a lot, um, now, back then, interesting, you know, that was all they had is one patent law course. That's all you couldn't take more, unlike today, where there's a lot more sophisticated. And uh, started practicing at an IP boutique in Southern California and Pasadena, Chrissy Parker and Hale. Well, I remember that. I was at Lion and Lion. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, that's how it all
0: started. So, was it kind of like love at first sight? Did you just instantly like patent law, or did it take a while for you to get kind of light, start to like it?
1: Hey. You know, I really enjoyed my – I was taught I – mean, the, name, the name of the, the partner from Blakely Sokoloff that taught my law school class, I, I am blanking right now, but he did a good job, and I really enjoyed it. Compared to many of my other classes that I took, it was definitely one of my more – and maybe it is just because I was a computer engineer, et cetera, the marrying of the technology – so I would say, you know, close to love at first sight compared to other areas of practice.
0: So when you kind of look at patent litigation, though, what is the part that, that really that you like more? Is it more the technology part of it that, that satisfies the scientist side of you? Or is it more really the litigation, the lawyer side of you that, you know, wants to argue or, you know, explain the story or, you know, tell me about that. I think it's both,
1: right? I mean, I think that's the great thing about, you know, patent trial work, patent litigation is – the ability to get immersed in these new technologies, different technologies, uh, while at the same time, having the adversarial context, uh, you know, and really being in court, uh, that's kind of, that's what you get your rush and your high on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you really work to defend the clients, to their best interests, and make sure that you succeed, and you know nothing but winning. I mean, you can't stand losing. Mm-hmm. So, it's that ability, I think, to marry the technology and the technologist in me, while having the adversarial, but also being able to bring it to a judge or a jury that is not sophisticated in the technology in any way, shape, or form, and being able to present it to them in a way that's easy for them to understand.
0: Now, what are some of the, ra- what are some of the technologies you have? Um, litigated? Give me a feel of the range of the types of different technologies you've done.
1: So that first case I described was medical devices. Uh, That was needless injection sites to kind of really, you know, back then, you know, it was really to help prevent HIV and uh, hepatitis spreading inside of the hospital context. Um, And that was really, that was my first case, medical devices. Since then, obviously, it's been more semiconductor, semiconductor manufacturing, software, you know, in particular, Proprietalus, a lot of software, uh, internet stuff. but really running the gamut, you know, working with memory companies, you know, handsets, cellular f- companies, obviously everybody doing work in that space over so the last eight, nine years, mm. uh, and all different aspects and components of smart devices, right? So it could be from the interfaces to the, you know, chips and processors that are inside of them. Mm. So mostly, if you look at the last five to ten years, it's everything on the tech side, not much like kind of on the life science side and or even medical device side.
0: Do you think your engineering background does help you either understand the technology or be able to talk to the client? Do you think that comes in handy or is it at this point is your you know, your engineering degree
1: so far back that it doesn't really make that much difference? I I think it's more easily accessible from the get-go mm-hmm. uh to an individual like myself. You know, where others may be, you know, it depends. They want to get immersed in it, but you know, I may have a better aptitude of where to begin. Uh, how to get into it. Um, and part of that's because, yes, it was so long ago, right? I mean, over 20 years ago, um, well, over 25 years ago, <laughs> that I, you, you went to college. But, y- you know, you never forget how to approach, you know, I worked for a year, a year at Hughes Aircraft Missile Systems, you know, doing software development for, at that time it was called Brilliant Pebbles or Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you don't forget that application of technology um it 's not to say that you know I pick up you know i i didn't learn about semiconductor manufacturing in in college, but the ability to pick up something and because you went to school to learn technology in that way, you know you don't have what you see sometimes in some other people you know fear of anything on the technology side you're kind of really it's an acceptance, so mm-hmm. I view it as a positive and you know given the experiences quite frankly. You know, I think sometimes the people who have technical backgrounds maybe aren't the best patent litigators, for example. I mean, if you look at some of the exceptional patent litigators every day, a lot of them don't have technical mm-hmm. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I'm cognizant of that, self-aware, and try to make sure I step aside. And uh, um, I am bringing it down to a level, quite frankly. I'll even test some of my ideas at home. Okay, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, And we don't have other technical degrees at home. So I, that's what I try to do. Uh, to make sure that I'm not getting too mired in the technology. Okay. Now,
0: when you look back on your career, are there any? What are, are there any like? I don't know, one or two highlights. You talked about the first trial, but are there any other highlights sort of in between or since then that really kind of stand out in your mind as either as, you know a really harrowing experience or something really you know in, a real inflection point in your career?
1: I mean, I, I think in terms of like an inflection point, uh, you know, for me that was very positive. Uh, was Back in oh probably about oh four, oh five, when I was at the time at Wild Gotchall, uh I worked on my first ITC matter. Um and you know, n- never done it before. And I was working on behalf of Thompson, uh, me and a couple other partners, uh and really enjoyed uh the experience. We actually we were we were representing Thompson against AUO and Ben Q uh technology actually we were taking thompson's which had rca had owned a what was a you know cathode ray tube crt old school tv you know old school for those out there you know kind of what we expect in the 60s 70s and 80s and converting it to an lcd panel portfolio uh so that thompson could license it against all the lcd manufacturers and uh did a lot of pre-suit investigation obviously brought the suit went to the hearing uh two-week hearing before now retired ALJ Barton. Um, did so well, uh, and it was a team effort, truly. There were three partners that really were leading the charge. Uh, now all at other firms, not at while uh, We did so well against AUM BenQ that by the end of the hearing, we were negotiating a settlement. We didn't even have to wait for the initial determination of the ALJ. Hmm. And thompson went on to license the lcd industry with those beginning licenses and we we succeeded for the client that that success and in fact during the that hearing there was one moment where i was dealing with one of the witnesses and the witness statement etc that the general counsel of thompson at the time said that was the best perry mason moment they'd ever seen in the courtroom ever mm-hmm. and that's at an itc hearing okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so it was kind of it was kind of fun uh that really kind of got me into doing ITC work, not just district court work, mm-hmm. um, and really broadened my scope. And especially being here on the West Coast, there's not many of us that do that kind of you know, significant amounts of work in the International Trade Commission. And I always have since then mm-hmm. been made sure that that's always a big component. And so it was an inflection point with respect to that. It also perhaps led me to eventually probably leaving while and kind of spreading my wings because of the way we tried that case. Uh, really enjoyed it and kind of went off on my own. So uh, uh, kind of really helped develop the practice, I would say.
0: Now, when you obviously you work with a lot of the younger lawyers these days, what, what kind of advice do you give to, to younger lawyers who want to be IP litigators? Or what do you tell them to focus on? What are some of the things, what are some of the pointers and, and, and things you try to advise them on?
1: Well, definitely getting a broad scope, you know, so if a person's interested in IP litigation, patent litigation, getting a broad scope of access, you know, be cognizant of, you know, not getting pigeonholed because let's say someone has a technical degree or even a master's or PhD in electrical engineering and, don't make sure you're not getting pigeonholed and just doing, you know, infringement contentions, invalidity contentions, the technical aspects of the case. Because mm-hmm. if you do that for four, five, six years, all of a sudden you wake up as a fifth or sixth year without a broad set of skills. So really, coming in, got to be cognizant that you're working with the partners and making sure, that even though you may be better than many in the in the practice group at doing these technical aspects, you got to get yourself from discovery, discovery disputes to to doing, you know, oral arguments, except, got to get that. And sometimes, you know, again, we don't do it intentionally as partners, but we may do it accidentally because someone's so really good at a certain thing. So getting that breadth of experience, um, you know, right now, I would say making sure that, you know, you're working on cases that are of significant size but also small, you know, having a diversity of cases, the advantage of smaller cases and the advantage of a firm bringing in large to is that you can have a lot larger role mm. um so it's great for us to have the big case and we all want the big cases but it's also good for our junior lawyers to make sure that we don't have just big cases that we have some of those smaller cases and they can then go run with it mm. and you give associates or associates in counsel the ability to go run a case on their own with oversight obviously um but that's what you want to hear from a firm and not that, oh, we just work on these mega cases, and you're going to be stacked 40 deep. And again, you get to your eighth, ninth year, and you've you've seen little pieces of cases. Or like you're the domestic industry person at the ITC, and that's all you do. Hmm. Well, you don't want to be pigeonholed in that way. Because again, you'll wake up one morning, and what do you do? Now, of course, if your firm does enough work, maybe that's great. But that to me is not... That would, to me, would not be an enjoyable experience as a partner in a fulfilling career. Yeah. Maybe for some it would be. Yeah. So
0: now, when you look back, at, when now in your career, even though you've been doing this now for a long time, is it still just as fun as it was when you started? Is it just as exciting to do the patent litigation, or has, or has some of the sort of novelty kind of worn off? Would you say?
1: I, I, I would say, as long as we're getting new and innovative cases, which we are, um, you know, it's always exciting. Yeah. It's always exciting. You know, quite frankly. You know, even like Alice coming along when at first Alice brought some, you know, it was really exciting. Whether you were playing it for a defendant, quite frankly, you know, just, you know, that, that brought some excitement to it. You know, right now we're seeing an increase in ITC filings. You know, it's good because then all of a sudden we're back in there and we've got a pipeline of ITC cases. And so there's always something coming on that makes it, you know, new and exciting and you got to change it up. I mean, I think that's also a message to younger ones is is make it different because quite frankly, if it is always the same, yeah, you'll run the risk of probably not wanting to do what we're doing, but you got, we got to make it different. Uh, and, you know, we do our best to make sure that we have a diversity of cases, a diversity of clients, and really a diversity of venues and forums and, if we've done that, we've done all we can, really.
0: Now, it sounds like you've obviously had a very successful career as a, as a lawyer, as an outside law firm lawyer. Have you ever thought about, or do you ever see yourself doing anything else? Could you ever see yourself as an in-house role? Could you see yourself in some <laughs> business role or anything else other than being an outside lawyer?
1: So, so the answer is no, and I'll explain why for those that probably that do. Some probably know out there that listen, some don't. I actually spent a brief tenure in-house, uh, uh, so 1999- uh, NASDAQ 5000, you know, State Street Bank came out in 1998. Uh, maybe from a personal perspective, I got married in the summer of 99. Yahoo came a-calling as I was at O'Melveny & Myers and said, how would you like to be our first head patent counsel? Mm. Uh, it also was a reason to come to Silicon Valley and leave Los Angeles. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd probably still be in Southern California. Wow, interesting. Uh, and so Yahoo called me up uh, uh, was using a recruiting firm, Major Lindsay in Africa at that time, uh, uh, my good friend Chuck, uh, and uh, I came up and spent about a little bit like a year and a half almost, I think, oh. at Yahoo before I went back to private practice, and uh, uh, I have to say I... It was okay. There were certain aspects I liked about it. Now maybe it's also in part because I was there for the dot com crash, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the greatest experience in the world. uh But you know, part of it also is I enjoyed as I from that first trial in medical devices. You know, I didn't. I probably didn't go in house for the right reasons, right? And a little bit of that Nasdaq five thousand, Silicon Valley. I live in L A. cetera. And I think I was always meant to be, you know, a trial lawyer, working outside, doing what I'm doing. For better or for worse, this is what I was meant to do.
0: <laughs> well, Yara, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. I'd love to check in with you in a few years and see if you're still enjoying what you're doing.
1: Uh, thanks, Richard. appreciate it. This is Richard
0: Hsu and Yara Chagovsky. Thanks.